From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. My name is Richard Serrett, your humble host. Oftentimes, on this program, we think in terms of the big picture. We talk about the New World Order and the Illuminati and uh, geopolitics and political subterfuge and things that are happening over there. Uh, And it's easy, very easy, to lose sight of things that are happening in our very own backyard, things that are troublesome, disturbing, odious even. Uh, On the surface, they may not seem important, but they are. And uh, this is how and why we are losing the battle for our inalienable rights and freedoms. Here's a perfect example. Not sure if you're familiar with uh, what's going on here in uh, Ontario. The uh, provincial government here, the liberal government of Kathleen Wynne, uh, they are eyeing serious changes uh, to traffic court. They're calling it an Online Administrative Monetary Penalty System, or AMPS, A-M-P-S. And the idea is that this Online Administrative Monetary Penalty System, it sounds rather innocuous, but I don't think it is. The idea is that it would replace the current procedures for paying and disputing charges under the Provincial Offenses Act. So currently, if you want to plead not guilty to, let's say, some... Uh, a speeding uh, violation, you want to plead not guilty, you get to go to court and present evidence. And this is fundamental. You get to face your accuser. And he has to present evidence, or she has to present evidence. And that would be uh, the, uh, the police officer, presumably, who issued the ticket. Again, this is a fundamental tenet of democracy and the judicial process. It's one of the linchpins. But now here in Ontario, the Liberals are saying this is a cost-saving measure. You'll resolve your dispute online, and some unbiased bureaucrat will essentially determine how much you have to pay. No presumption of innocence, no day in court, no facing your accuser. They want to streamline the process. So you're all guilty. We'll decide how much you get to pay, which will mean more convictions, more revenue, into the municipal coffers, and everyone is sitting back saying, well, that's okay. But again, the loss of a fundamental freedom. Now, they're floating this idea. I can't imagine this will withstand a charter challenge before the Supreme Court. We shall see. However, the the mere audacity to even float this idea And again, people may say, well, if it saves money, why not? This is odious. This is what I mean by odious. This is what I mean by the incremental erosion of our fundamental rights and freedoms. I'm telling you, this is only the beginning. And this is the problem with collectivists. And the liberals are collectivists. This is ultimately where their philosophy leads. But they're also very clever. Pay no attention to this. Look over here. Now we're putting beer in grocery stores. This is how it all ends. Not with a bang, but a whimper. Pecked to death by a thousand sparrows. Left-leaning, collectivist, odious sparrows. Uh, Get up on the website, richardserrett.com, where Albert... The intern has posted some fascinating articles. You can log on now while you're listening to the show or the podcast and read during the commercial breaks. Or you can hit pause on the podcast, read an article, and then listen to more of the show. Uh, Isn't technology grand? Uh, There's an article that goes back a couple of years from WND that offers some spiritual context to the careers of the Beatles back in the mid-60s. At the, the height of their fame, all four of the Beatles professed to be atheists, but later in life, all four ended up seeking a spiritual life. John Lennon, who of course turned the world upside down when he proclaimed the Beatles are more popular than Jesus, later admitted that he was a most religious fellow. He said he was brought up a Christian, and he only now understood some of the things that Christ was saying in those parables. Uh, you can find that article, again, in the slide carousel atop richardserrett.com. Another great article on the occult meanings of many American logos and symbols. Uh, so those are just two 
a sampling, a mere sampling. Again, the slide carousel atop of Richard Serrett. Com. Once again, we're doing an HOA hangout on air. If you want to catch the live stream, just go to my Twitter feed at Richard Serrett. Let me spell the last name. S, as in Simon. Y, because I love you. R, E, double T, S, Y, R, E, T, T, at Richard Serrett. While you're there, please follow and say hi. Uh, just click on the tweet that says HOA. It's near the top of the Twitter feed, and you are in. You can also go back and uh, watch previous streams of our on our uh, YouTube channel, which is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. We have another great show in store for you tonight. I met my, uh, my guest this evening about, I guess, six months ago while I was preparing to host Coast to Coast. He was introduced to me by Coast's exec producer, Lisa Lyon, who called me up and said, you've got to meet this gentleman up in Oregon. He was uh, recruited by naval intelligence at a very young age. He was this guy's a genuine prodigy, a wonderkind, you might say, in a field in the field of advanced physics. He's also heavily involved in alternative agriculture. He's an herbalist, a real Renaissance man, if ever there was one. So Lisa Lyons said, "Talk to him, and if you like, you can interview him on coast." So we had this lengthy conversation via Skype one afternoon, and. We, uh, we went on to do a show on Coast. We covered a lot of ground. We talked about secret military research, New Age physics, powers of the mind. He spoke about his early days being part of a black ops team for Navy intelligence, later working for Boeing. The aircraft company was involved with researching magnetic monopoles and anti-gravity approaches and the ability to change space and time with repulsion coils, just nanometers in size. He went on to say that there are conspiracies, cover-ups, and false flags layered like an onion. And every time you peel one back, there's another one. He detailed some of the secret things he saw in Antarctica, a set of caverns, one of which was a mile high and had clouds in it that rained, I kid you not, a Nazi submarine base in disarray, and a Viking base from the 14th century, the whole of Earth is honeycombed with interconnecting tunnels and networks, some as far as 100 miles below, which could be populated by people who haven't been on the surface since the Great Flood. He went on to mention, During this conversation, there were times, quite frankly, I asked myself, are people getting this? Does it make sense? But the phone lines, I have to tell you, they melted down. People couldn't get enough, and the response after the show was phenomenal. Turns out people know exactly what Dr. Richard Allen Miller is on about, even if it, at times uh, your humble host was holding on for dear life trying to play catch-up. So I thought it was high time I introduced listeners of The Conspiracy Show to Dr. Richard Allen Miller. He's a pioneer in the annals of metaphysical and paranormal exploration. Again, he began working in the secret world of Navy intel in the late 60s and now has amazing experiences and conclusions to share. He's uh, getting ready for a, a prepper conference. We'll find out more about that as well, and uh, we'll talk about uh, some of the numerous uh, titles, uh, books, uh, power tools for the uh, 21st century, and uh, much more. Great pleasure to welcome to The Conspiracy Show Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Hello, Richard. How are you? Are you there, Richard? I don't think Richard is... Uh, no. Oh, we're gonna, he dropped off the line there. That's all right. We'll get him back. Uh, while we are waiting, let me just uh, quickly, and Tim is working furiously in the other room trying to get uh, Dr. Miller back on. Let me mention quickly uh, that uh, I, I have touched upon this briefly. We are developing an app for The Conspiracy Show. It will be available for Android and iPhone. And uh, we are probably just a couple of weeks away from uh, a hard launch. I can't wait to do the unveil uh, on this. And um, uh, once we have it ready to roll... We will bring, I'm, I'm going to try and convince uh, uh, Sharon Forster, who's uh, developing the app, to come on and sort of walk us through this amazing uh, piece of technology. But uh, it'll be great. You can take the Conspiracy Show wherever you go, on your Android, your uh, your iPhone, your, uh, your iPad. And uh, it's, I've really, I can honestly say I've seen nothing like it. I've, I've sampled a, a number of different apps for, for radio, radio programs and so forth. Uh, but um, so get ready for that. The big unveil. Now I understand we have uh, Dr. Miller back, but we've lost the visual. That's okay. We've got his uh, wonderful discarnate I can't voice. I hear you though. I need higher volume. All right, uh, Dr. Miller, can you hear me now? 
Uh, need uh, just a little more volume, please. All right, Tim, crank it. Give us all you got in the other room. There we go. Okay. That's better. Can you call my voice? You, you're coming in loud and clear, sir. Okay, good. Thank you. Good to have I you on board. Everything that Richard was saying, but it was coming through my computer. <laughs> I didn't know how to turn that part off. Well, we're glad to have you on board. Now. I'm sorry that we can't do the other part. It's um, I love watching Richard and his... <laughs> That's all right. We've got uh, lots of uh, lots of slides to share with uh, okay, with people good. that are joining well, the hangout. Let's let's, let's about the inconvenience. Not to worry. Let's talk about uh, this uh, big prepper conference. Taking people off the grid, teaching them how to live off the grid for thirty days. Uh, just just give us some details before we drill down on that. Well, basically, um, the grid is going to collapse. You can count on it. And when it does, we're going to have more meltdowns with Fukushima's and all kinds of other natural forms of disaster. Um, the ocean is rising in sea level uh, because uh, it's in 64 degrees in Antarctica today. And so we have a bunch of different events that are about to happen that are going to require some degree of sovereignty. And tonight's talk... I thought I would run through some basics on how to survive, uh, you know, almost any kind of a grid collapse. So the title of this talk would be more like an interview, would be like, um, can you live off the grid for 30 days? That's probably going to happen shortly. And uh, what is going to be the um, the instigator here? Are we talking about an EMP event, or are we talking That's about... The most Likely, hmm. that's the most likely thing. Will be a, a CMA, um, a coronal mass ejection off the sun. Okay, you know, so there's global warming going on um, because of the heliosphere. The sun itself is heating up right now. It is shooting off X band. Uh, thank gosh, it's off in the wrong direction, or we would have been back in the Stone Age earlier. Um, basically, when the grid collapses, you'll be out of things like water and transportation, food, communication, medicine. I mean, the list goes on and on. Well, they, and if you're not prepared, or at least have some idea of what to do, it could be really bad. Well, when the grid goes down, uh, and because it hasn't been sufficiently hardened, against such an event, we could be in the dark for decades. Uh, so, I mean, can we, can you prepare people, can we prepare ourselves to be living off the grid, not just for 30 days, Dr. Miller, but let's face it, indefinitely? Um, well, that's my whole thing I did on sustainable lifeboats. The idea that the USS America is taking on water. And I don't know whether it's going to sink or swim, but I think it's time to start thinking about sustainable lifeboats. A lifeboat without oars is not a very cool thing. Let me that ask... means you have to be semi-prepared for all kinds of possibilities. Now, which side of the... Uh, there are sort of two camps, uh, to my mind, when we talk about preparing for such an eventuality. And there, there is the camp that, that subscribes to... Uh, to heading for the hills, get away from people, uh, and then there are those who subscribe to build communities, maybe even stay put, uh, because you're going to need to be uh, associated with doctors and plumbers and handy people. Which camp are you in? Yes, all of the above. What you're talking about is bugging in or bugging out. And often you can't choose who you're in the bunker with. And so that's kind of creepy sometimes. Indeed. Listen, let's uh, hold on, uh, Dr. Miller. We'll take a timeout, come back, and we'll talk about, uh, well, we'll start with 30 days, baby steps, living off the grid. Dr. Richard Allen Miller, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Don't be afraid of the dark. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
And joining us on the line from the Pacific Northwest, Dr. Richard Allen Miller, the author of a number of books, including Power Tools for the 21st Century, the Encyclopedia of Alternative Agriculture, the Modern Alchemist, the Magical and Ritual Use of Herbs, Natural Plants of Commercial Importance, uh, and the list goes on. We're, uh, we're talking about preparing for uh, some sort of cataclysmic event. All right, now. Um, let's let's do baby steps. Let's um, let's say, say we want to get off the grid and uh, survive off the grid for 30 days. How do we begin? I think that water is going to be the first immediate problem for everyone. I think that um, once the grid is down, of course, all the municipalities will fail. They won't be able to deliver water. And so, what are you going to do? You have three days without water. And that's where FEMA has become so popular. That's its primary function, is if a grid were to go down, to be able to supply the populace with water. Now, it's important to understand, I would recommend that everyone have at least three days of water for every single person in their family on hand at any given moment with a backup plan the first day on how to replace it. Now, I'm going to give you some water facts here. A person can only live three days without water. The optimum amount of drinking water, there's a basic formula that would say you take your your body weight by in, in pounds and have that into ounces. That means a 200-pound man needs approximately 100 ounces a day in order to survive. All right. Most okay. of our water is, is polluted, and so how do you clean it? You need to have a plan on how to do that. Simple, down, and dirty, you could take a pair of jeans and stuff it with sand. That filters the water, and then you need to boil it uh, 10 minutes for every 1,000 feet. So for fill 3, the... 1,000 feet, you need to boil it for 30 minutes. So fill up a pair of jeans. Let me see if I can uh, draw a mental uh, image here for people. You take a pair of jeans, you sew the uh, the the, the, um, the bottom together, so that you can fill it up with sand, and then you're gonna. Or no, I'm sorry, you're not gonna. How, how are you gonna keep the sand in there? You're gonna. You need to pour the water through. That's right, just like you would a Berkey. You're running it through sand. Most people <laughs> do not understand yet how to take activated charcoal, which would be best. You can take activated charcoal from a fireplace and filter your water for grime and things like that out of it. Right. However, certain areas of, of, uh, the, of the United States where I live, for example, in Grants Pass, we have serpentine soils. And as a result, some of the water has arsenic in it. And so you have to have small testing kits. You can't just assume it's clean. Even with filtering... You can get toxic. How about um, uh, purifying the water with sunlight? Sunlight is a purifier in structuring the water, but it's not going to clean it of other things besides water in it. Well, sunlight will restructure water, but it won't clean it. There are um, gizmos that you can buy on the Internet that would suggest differently, and it is true that we now have a filter that will take seawater and make it potable or drinkable. Um, so, I, but sunlight itself won't work. I see a lot of uh, you know uh, preppers online talking about you know shielding your electronics, and to me that's futile. What is the point of you know uh, putting your cell phone and your computer inside a uh, it's sealing it inside a tin garbage can uh, when <laughs> no one else is there's nobody to talk to on the other end. Well, that's a good point, you know. Um, what we're talking about with CMEs is microwave band. And to shield microwave using Faraday cages and like that is near impossible because microwave band has wavelengths near quantum mechanical levels, which, which and you can't have a material. It would be like a garbage can. And actually, the lead, the microwave, could wiggle its way on into the can just because of the spaces between the lid and the can itself. Microwave is almost impossible uh, with current technologies to shield. So right. 
Anything that comes off the sun that's going to be in an X-band or upper, it's going to fry everything. And when I say fry everything, your computer chips in a car, the grid itself with capacitors and, uh, you know, load cells, whatever, you're going to have a problem because the microwave is invasive, and if it's a high enough uh, energy level, it'll just fry everything. In fact, just for the record, we had such a CME, actually it wasn't a CME, it was a plasma filament that went off two months ago in the opposite direction of the Earth and would have taken the Earth down into the Stone Age. We had a similar X-band CME off yesterday. Suspiciousobservers.com uh, did a very nice uh, presentation on that. We were lucky. Is this what do you suspect, uh, Dr. Miller, and I, I guess we're speculating here, but do you suspect that that might be what is behind this uh, Homeland Security uh, no. maneuvers, Jade no, no, Helm 15? No, no, no. no? That, that, uh, trust me when I tell you, this is the least of your problems. That's the first of a number of shoes that are about to fall. After the grid collapses, and you don't have any way to turn off 400 different Chernobyls, then there will probably be a mini-ice age identical to the movie The Day After Tomorrow. And that would require where you live up in, in um, uh, Toronto. Are, where are you? You're in... We're in Toronto, yes. Yeah, you're in Toronto. You're going to have to be at least 12 feet underground. <laughs> the frost lines are going to start at 12 feet. It'll be just exactly like the day after tomorrow. What's happening is Greenland's glaciers are melting. The sea is rising, just like in the movie, and it's changing the ocean currents and the desalinization of the sea. And what's going to happen next is a mini ice age while the uh, basic uh, our ocean currents reboot. It'll last about two and a half weeks, when you crawl out of the cave like the Clovis culture did, now what's going to happen after that is that you're going to find that you've got a snowpack for three years. Now, and how high will that be? You have to go into your bug in with the more soil organisms in your seed because there's nothing going to be a living when you come out of it. And that probably will go down to as deep as Texas, just like in the movie. And why a lot of the smart money now is bugging out to Costa Rica. How do you Costa Rica mm -hmm. has its own problems with volcanoes going off right now. Right, right. Indeed. And so all of this is what we call a semi-extinction event. It's happening right now. And I would be remiss if I didn't say something about it. Why is the sun heating up? That's a big question. There's global warming on Mars and Pluto. So it is happening as a natural event, and there's nothing even the one percenters can do trying to go down deep. Now, there will be geographical changes, and it will be like going from Atlantis to Greece, a complete reboot of culture. Nothing. The Clovis culture has pictures of it. We knew about these 200 years ago, showing the sun burping and then crawling out of the cave to start the Incas or whatever they call them. Now, I'm telling you, uh, this is the second of a number of shoes that are about to fall down on the ground. And so there isn't really much any of us can do about it except understand that it is an opportunity to evolve spiritually. So if, let's assume then that... Uh, Am I we coming on too hard? No, no, listen, I mean, uh, forewarned, forearmed. But there isn't, and, and so, you know, Jade Helm, some of the other things that are going on um, are distractions. But is that what they, they are preparing? I mean, there there are rumors, for example, that uh, certain government agencies, uh, the the Fed in in uh, in Chicago, I believe, is bugged out. Uh, that that's a rumor. Yeah, and the Springfield, where I was in Springfield, 
that whole underground bunker is now active and, you know, major active. All the different underground bunkers at the different airports are now in active service. Yes. The uh, the chemtrail uh, spraying that we're seeing, this geoengineering program that's going on surreptitiously, uh, is that a, a last-ditch effort to forestall something that cannot be reversed because that this... That is correct. That buys them some time to do something else. We have, you know, there's going to be a problem even on Mars. And the problem is what's heating up the sun is planet 7X. It does exist. It is coming off elliptic out near Neptune. You can calculate it exactly precision. It is most likely a dead uh, dwarf uh, binary. And it's heavy. And because of that, it's changing the orbits. And it's uh, heating up, causing the sun to heat up. Now, that isn't most likely going to hit us, but... It doesn't have to. It doesn't have to. third foot falling. And it's dragging a kind of a mini solar system along with it, is it not? Kind of. Well, that is speculation on that. I don't know for a fact. Right. I can tell you that the calculations I've seen suggest that it's a single binary that uh, was five and a half times the size of the Earth and much denser, probably something out of solid nickel or something. So if we have to bug out, how do you time something like that? How do you know when it's time to bug out and move to Costa Rica? And That's the $64,000 question. Um, nobody really knows except higher pay grades than me. <laughs> so, I, you know, I'm going to guess we're going to see the first ugly foot happen in September this year. I think the grid is going to collapse this year because of the way the sun has been acting recently. And that then Nibiru, or whatever they want to call it, will probably show up around 2017. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, I don't know where this is all going to go. What I'm doing is preparing meagerly for the lighter forms of uh, grid collapse. I can't afford to go underground to protect myself from a mini ice age. Few of us could. Well, there you go. That's the deal. I understand, Dr. Miller. What can we do to defend ourselves if we wanted to, quote, survive? Uh, I understand that uh, you have in your possession a 3D printer which you're using to manu- desktop manufacturing of a geometric dome. Is that correct? Yeah, it's a, we, we have a 3D portable 3D printer now that is putting up uh, 30-foot geodesic domes underground to prepare for the Ice Age made of cement. It takes 24 hours. We can print one in 24 hours. Is that right? A geodesic yeah, dome in 24 and hours. Then it goes back and reprints on top of that a magnesium oxide radiation shield for Fukushima. Now, here is the bad news. The bad news is that there are 400 Fukushimas whose switches are still on. And if we have a grid collapse, you don't have the opportunity to turn those off correctly. And if you don't turn those off correctly, and we have a mini ice age, that will cool everything to a point where you don't have a radiation problem until it thaws and your ancestors, not ancestors, but your future, crawls out of caves to restart civilization again. This has recurred 3,600 years uh, through time. There are a bunch of books out on it that are, I find, credible. Um, I, nobody knows for a fact, and well, I'm sure there are some, but my pay grade doesn't, you know, let me know for a fact. And so it's difficult to plan. What I'm doing now is building sustainable lifeboats for the military, and we have aquaculture systems that feed certain bunkers that are very efficient. But an ice age is one thing different than a grid collapse. And if the grid collapses, that's survivable. And many ice age, there's going to be an extinction process. And 
There will be survivors. There always will be survivors. It's just you'll come out of the cave without electricity, and as everything starts to thaw, what happens next is all the reactors go critical, and there's no way that any life can form can live on Earth. All right, get the underground. We'll find out、uh, how we can live underground. Can we survive underground? Dr. Richard Allen Miller joining us from the Beaver State, Oregon, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett.、Uh, Dr. Richard Allen Miller is、uh, with us, and、uh, the prognosis, quite frankly, is、uh, bleak. Beyond bleak,、um, but you're saying that it is possible to survive, perhaps underground. And and can you? How do you? Can you grow plants underground? Hydroponics,、uh, aquaculture. I have this one unit out on、uh, East Evans Creek. It's 258 feet long and has a throughput of 50,000 heads of lettuce every day, 24/7. It's a closed system using fish, so they're growing protein as well. And how many heads of lettuce are you producing? Fifty thousand per day. Wow,、uh, we're talking little tiny seedlings. No, no. You start with a little a slip of a plant, and within seven days you have a full, mature lettuce for harvest. How is that possible? It's、um, working with water rather than soil. Or hydroponics, which works with a、uh, vermiculite nutrient form, is very efficient and is、uh, extremely、uh, simple to run. They're simple. It's called aquaculture, and that's done underground. I'm sorry. And that can be done underground. Yes, it can.、Mm-hmm. You have different forms of LED lighting that would be appropriate for certain groups of plants that require certain frequency bands for best. Just like marijuana, like halogen series. And and how are you powering the LEDs? Usually, there's different ways of doing that.、Uh, there's options on that your power source. Right now, one of the ones I do right here is I have a 35 kW generator. I run off of plants. I make solar alcohol. Solar alcohol. Yeah, that means that you're taking your biomass leaves and things like that and converting it into alcohol. You can drive an automobile like that. What do you make of Elon Musk's、uh, proposal? This um, this uh, a battery to power your your house? There's all different sources from rodent coils and free energy systems. The one that is best suited out here in Oregon. Is、uh, and up where you are are buoys that rise and fall with the tide. Just that up and down motion generates current. And these buoys, I, when I was up in Nova Scotia, I saw 60 foot tidal changes on a daily basis. That's enough tidal change to probably power the entire eastern seaboard, just with、uh, rising and falling of the tide. And what about protein? What about protein? Well, <clears throat> we went to、um, Lost Creek. My another assignment of mine was to go to the Lost Creek fish hatchery on the headwaters of the of the Rogue River, and they have a fish hatchery there that's in full production. And that fish hatchery had three-year-old fish in full production. That probably is enough protein to feed the entire state of Oregon. And how are these you... infrastructures are in place? Right. It just determined on whether and what's going to hit us first as to whether or not they're accessible or not. And so what I'm trying to do is design a sustainable lifeboat that can take into account almost everything. An ice age is a pretty difficult、uh, problem. Right.、Uh, yeah, that's lights out. That's like a debris trail that would like、uh, make us remain look like Mars or the asteroid belt.、Uh, but you're saying、uh, that if we if if we can we that we could weather this、uh, even a major、uh, coronal mass ejection with, where the 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 grid、oh, would the be down. Oh, the coronal mass ejection one it is really easy if you're even semi prepared, and everybody should be doing their garden. 
They should be having a small garden, not so much to feed themselves, but giving, giving them the independence of feeling at least semi-sovereign. All up in Toronto, where you live, I would guess that less than 5% of the food is actually grown in Toronto that's consumed there. The only thing we grow out here are houses. Well, then that's a, a excellent way to live and a good lifestyle to aspire toward because that's what you're really seeking, sovereignty. And sovereignty has many bases, including entertainment. If I'm going to get back to the grid thing that we could talk about, the water part is only the first part of it. There's other uh, sections of food, for example, would be number two. And so the rule of three is you've got three minutes for air, three days for water, and three weeks for food. And once you get that, you realize that the food is everywhere, unless, of course, it's under snow. And so you can grow your food easily enough underground. We're already doing that on Mars. And so there are uh, systems out of aquaculture in Japan showing how massive banks of lights are being used to grow the food underground. And... Uh, forever. Let I'm me just back you up there, Dr. Miller. Because we have a mini ice age, the actual drop in temperature will drop probably something like 10 degrees per second going down to minus 100 Fahrenheit. It will be like the planet Mars. It won't last longer than probably two or three weeks. And then when you do poke your head back up on the surface to take access to sunlight, as a power source, you probably will still not be able to see the Earth for another couple of years. I, I want to back you up there because you mentioned something about growing food underground on Mars. That's, <laughs> I that's... knew you'd pick that one up. <laughs> <laughs> well, how could I not? That's news to me. We're coming up on a break, but just let's start this conversation now. What do you mean we are growing food underground We've been on Mars? on Mars for almost 40 years. I was part of the, we're doing like the Mars Project in Kailua right now, where we're developing these geodesic domes for the surface of Mars. We have, you're saying we have a manned colony? Probably, yeah. More underground. Than one. Yes. Mars. I, when in 1968, I, I, when I was working for Boeing in 1970, I said, oh, okay, there is an article in Veterans Today. It just came out on my childhood. That's a good article to go check out. And I talk about the Mars Project there, where 1967, they tried nuclear exploration. Uh, they did a joint manned expedition to Mars one year before they landed on the moon. I have no idea whether that survived or not, but that was 42 years ago. And, and with Stargates and the rest of these new inertialists, uh, transportation systems that Boeing and others are developing now, uh, it's n not a far cry to connect the dots and know we're already there. All right, let's take a time out back on the other side with Dr. Richard Allen Miller here on The Conspiracy Show. The truth is not out there. It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Quite frankly, I don't know if I'm prepared to live underground like a gopher or a mole. Um, yeah. You know, I maybe maybe um, I'm. It's pretty awful thinking about it, isn't it? It's it's a, it's absolutely um, <laughs> it's a nightmare scenario. And yet, and yet, historically, you will see that that is the recurring pattern of man with various floods and other kinds of natural disasters. They crawl out of a cave. Underground uh, tunnels? If you, a, if you have a mini ice age, for example, your frost lines are going to be to 10 feet up where you live. Right, right. Yes. So, I mean, you're going to have to have something between you and that just as insulation. Yes. Now, it's survivable. It is, I suppose, if you can call it that. Yes, and that's the deal. So, how, how the part of it is to move to a different part of the world, like Guatemala or Costa Rica. Now, even still, I personally think you're best to be with your family and
literature of what you know and how you live. How large a, a compound or a complex 12 feet down are you going to have to construct? And how, how could, how can anyone, the average person afford such an excavation? They can't. That's why there's going to be mass extinction. That's the deal. Just like that. Well, I'm a physicist. I'm not trying to pull punches. I'm just saying it as I can say it. And, uh, basically, the movie, The Day After Tomorrow, is fairly accurate. You'll notice that even in, in New York City, there were survivors. I don't think burning a Gutenberg Bible is appropriate, but you get the idea. Well, I mean, you know, that, that movie is accurate scientifically. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I have noticed they have been playing that almost on an endless loop for the last six months. I see that movie on the TV guide on my screen at least uh, once every two weeks. I don't know that Hollywood has an advanced warning as much as it's probably about marketing and doomsday. That's an excellent movie. It's better in many ways than the 2012 or several of the other things. In fact, the geoengineering that you mentioned is basically a United Nations project. There's other levels, or like you said, layers of the onion, and that kind of thing. But basically, that was to stave off an event that should have already occurred. The Gulf Stream is, is changed. And it stopped. And basically, several military have told me that that's what the BP oil spill was to stop the Gulf Stream and stall, save off an event that should have happened earlier. The the, the, all the ocean, that was that was uh, intentional. In Europe, are all messed up now. There used to be seven of them that we key off of. There's only three now that are active. How and could a, excuse me, uh, Doctor Miller? He talks about that. But excuse me, how, uh, how does it... going a... on with the sun? The sun basically controls everything on Earth. Oh, I agree with that. I, I, that is the one, um, uh, the key ingredient, I think, to, to climate and change. the sun is heating up. The heliosphere is literally heating up. There is global warming on Mars and Pluto. And if the Earth has global warming... What happens is you change the desalinization of the sea, and that's what causes a mini ice age. I want to go back to the uh, the, the the BP oil spill. You're saying that that was intentional to forestall. I'm saying that I was told that it was. Right. How would that I work? I don't know that it was. I was told that it was. What, what what is the principle behind that? How would that work? Well, the basic currents and the way they loop out of the uh, the uh, Gulf Stream uh, are what hold and stabilize our weather patterns as they are. And if that changes, the planet has to go through a reboot where you have a superstorm. But again, I'm not sure how an oil spill would forestall well, that. Well, it stopped the currents from changing. I see. It slows them down. How's that? That's a better way to do it. Yeah, All right. Slowed it down. The viscous fluid in the ocean causing it to move slightly differently than it would otherwise tend to. That's the same thing they're doing now with shielding the sun. The volcanoes going off are a warning to you. The earthquakes going off are a warning to you that things are not natural right now. You know, you could be wrong about the timing of this. You could be wrong about the timing of this. Yes, I could. And and what what is the margin of error here? (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know. If I did know, I'd be saying so. I don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing that what I'm seeing right now, we're going to have possibly a grid collapse this year sometime. I don't know how long it will be. And with more earthquakes and volcanoes going off, we absolutely are going to have some ocean current changes. This is because the sun is literally heating up and melting all the ice. I'm guessing the ocean sea is going to rise 60 meters, just like it did for Noah. All right. Well, there you have it. (laughs) Uh, That's my best guess based on limited physics and information I have. There is something that is causing the sun to heat up. It isn't doing it naturally. 
It is a recurring event that has been written about in lots of books. The one I'm reading now by Gerald Clark is pretty good. It says something about the seventh planet, Mercury rising. That's an interesting book. His, his research is as an engineer, and he's solid. And so I'm impressed with his work. There are others. So there are, there are people in the in the government that are see, are speaking uh, uh, quietly about this. Obviously, uh, they you know they don't. Yeah, the thing that bothers me so much about that is in the movie 2012 when that guy in the White House said it's for your own good. You know, we don't want you to panic because there's nothing you can do about it anyway. The problem I have is he's not as smart as I am, and how does he have the right? to make that decision for me. Precisely, precisely. Uh, do you suspect that the, not even the 1%, the, the 1% of the 1% um, are essentially equipped to, to move off planet at this point? I think they're probably aliens. How's that one sound? For blood type and genome. Who knows? Listen, uh, I, these are the kinds of questions we probably, as, as the 99% will never know. And the problem I'm having now <clears throat> with Rothschilds and the rest of it is they're in the same boat and there's other things going on that are even creepier <clears throat> than the weather events. For example, CERN. CERN <clears throat> is basically um, a time machine. It's creating a time portal. I can run it down in the physics if you'd like, but basically, I I I, I have this one video that talks about um, uh, he's an occultist. His background in the occult is as good as my own, so you know I'm it's scaring the uh, it's scaring the pants off me. Well, we have a couple minutes. Let's talk about how the CERN collider is is being used as a as a time machine. That's correct. They're trying to create a portal to allow what they used to call Enlil back in, Apollo, the destroyer. And it's a group trying to bring about biblical prophecy. Now, whether or not that's real, um, this guy's analysis of it was creepy. And he was showing the dancing that they were doing. They were doing a weird ritual dance in, in CERN. And it was exactly the same that the whirling dervish and Gurdjieff talked about that um, changes space-time. Well, that is what basic certain forms of dance, like sound, will change space-time. And this whole concept of what's going on now, I don't get it. What I do know is we have an opportunity to rewrite the way the next civilization does it. We're going to hit the reset button. And communism, maybe we might go into communalism and barter. What are the, what are the, just give me the, the, the basic physics behind how the, the CERN collider could be used as a time it machine. created a God particle at the moment of the Big Bang. That reflected wave is a primary wave is our past. The future is a secondary wave. That you can check out on how they talk about that on physics.org. <clears throat> Basically, a drop of water falls and hits a pool of water, and you form a cavitation ball of exclusions on water that traps air inside it as a toroidal surface. It is what we call the second Earth, or into the out of. It is a new form of physics from MIT uh, with uh, Lawrence Le- Leclerc, Mark Leclerc, and uh, what they, it's called cavitation ball. And basically when the water drop hits the water, the outgoing wave, that's your future. There is a ingoing wave <clears throat> which slaps itself and creates a skin of water it captures air, and you see this behind submarines and things like that. <clears throat> They're called cavitation balls. <clears throat> and basically, inside the ball, the actual uh, topological surface is a t- twister, 
just like Roger Penrose would suggest at Princeton. That's remarkable. Uh, that's remarkable, if true. Um, if people want to, uh, you know, get serious, obviously, about uh, living off the grid um, for the foreseeable future, is there I a... Do um, workshops with Matt Stein. Um, we did the RK Prepper Show yes. in Indianapolis. There are others coming up in Atlanta and other cities. And that's where Mark, um, Matt Stein and I actually give presentations on preppers and what to do and, you know, what kinds of equipment work best and so on. Matt's books, uh, When Technology Fails, When Disaster Strikes, are exceptional books. My power tools for the 21st century is basically the protocols I trained Navy SEALs with to make them supermen. And some of that includes spirituality, where you look at things in metaphor and not focus on the big picture of disaster, because that's ever-present in all of our archetypal encounters. You know, I mean, it's just because it's the end days does not mean it has to be a bad thing. How do we, uh, how do we get a copy of um, uh, uh, Power Tools for the 21st Century? Um, you can go either to my website, richardallenmiller.com, A-L-A-N, or you can go to oak-publishing.com. Well, on that cheery note, uh, and again, I want to I want to offer this caveat. Uh, you you might very well be. It's a pleasure to work with you. I like to play with you. You might all well <laughs> play. Yeah, uh, this you might very well be wrong. I mean, I want to leave people I, with yes, that. and I'm. It, it would be wonderful, but my physics says we're going right into a brick wall, and it's time to really rethink what's important in your life. Indeed. Indeed. It's never too early or too late to do that. That's for sure. Dr. Uh, Richard Allen Miller, uh, thank you for this. Be well. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. My website, richardserrett.com. It is not the uh, CERN uh, Collider, but that is your portal, not to the future, not to the past, but to this radio program. Everything you need to know about The Conspiracy Show is right there, richardserrett.com. And... Uh, Please say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And as always, follow the truth. <laughs>